I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. On this week's episode of Unwritten. Julio, blast this out to center. This is driven back by the wall. Julio! Hello and welcome to Unwritten from Odyssey and MLB. My name is Ron Darling. With me is Jimmy Rollins. For most players to be some majors, you're a big star in every team you play on coming up from Little League all the way to AAA. But when you reach the big leagues, you're just another rookie. And your veteran teammates aren't going to let you forget it. Today we're talking about the unwritten rules on how you treat rookies, like when they have to pay their dues and how veterans can help them adjust to the major leagues. We'll define the unwritten rules, put them in context, and then decide if they still have a place in the game today. Jimmy, start us off. Did the veterans treat you nicely when you were a rookie? Hmm... Uh, yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> that's, uh, the, the word nice is what I'm stuck on. Um, I, I was not treated badly. Um, I definitely, you know, made some friends and some not so friends. Um, but for the most part, um, my on-field performance gave me a lot of leeway. I, mm-hmm. I, I got away with a lot of things because I showed up on the field. I played every day. Um, I, I hit leadoff or second. And when, when you have, you know, that role as a leadoff hitter, a shortstop on top of that, which is a premier, uh, premium position, and I was doing it well, uh, I, I was not treated um, as a veteran player or, or a seasoned player by any stretch of the imagination, but they respected me and my mm. game as such. Who was your first manager, Boa? Uh, no, actually, well, te- technically, it was Tito Francona. Okay, when I got caught when I got called up. So I, I mean, it, that that was the first time I walked into a clubhouse. Terry Francona was the manager, but my 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 first tenured, I'll say, uh, outside of uh, a week and a half stretch, yes, was Larry Boa. Uh, that's great because I know Bo. Um, you know, he he was the kind of veteran that would let you know it because he came over uh, when I was a rookie. Um, <laughs> we 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 got Bo over, and and yeah. I didn't I didn't particularly even like Larry Bo when you played against him because he would just get under your fingernails. You know, he was the guy that would slap that hit the other way, make a great play up the middle, and then we traded for him. And I used to sit on the bench next to him all the time when I wasn't pitching because he was brilliant and he was great and fired up all the time. All the time. He is never at a lack uh, for words. He is never without an opinion. He's never uh, 
without you know something slick to say, and he is hilarious. Yeah. I rem- I mean, I, I mean, for for me, it was slightly different in the regard that he was the manager, so he couldn't be a player, he couldn't be a coach. He had to, you know, manage all these guys. But it also um, gave me a lot of freedom. You know, he was you know the, the best shortstop uh, in in our team's history to that point on the 1980 World Series team. And I was, you know, the next shortstop, you know, to, to, to be compared to, you know, the great Larry Boa. So he watched me like, like a hawk, but he never tried to get in my way, especially on the defensive side. He gave me pointers when you had to actually get out of the way when guys were sliding the second base on how to do that. And, you know, he really cared. He's like, man, you got to get out of here. You're going to get killed. You're too small to stand there. But I stood in and threw the ball. Like, yeah. if you hit me, that's fine. But I'm my feet are going to be in the air, and I'll just roll and tumble and hopefully land on top of you with my knees in your chest. So, um, you know, he was – don't get me wrong. If you know anything – and surprising that you guys had a good relationship because Larry hates pitchers. pitchers. Hates oh, pitchers. my goodness. <laughs> I mean – with every ounce of his body, he does not like you guys. He does not like pitchers. And if it was a no-name, you know, quote-unquote no-name guy, and we didn't get any hits off of him, and he get in his ranch, you let this double-A motherfucking come up here. It's like, oh, right. like, it doesn't matter if he's in single-A. If he's having a good game and he's That's hitting right. his spots, he could get you out. And, I mean, and, and look, as a position player – I never minded Larry Boa. Yeah. But if I was a pitcher, no way. <laughs> no how. Like, nah, not that I, guy. I always felt like Larry Boa, Lou Pinella, guys like that uh, who were managers would prefer to play the game without any pitchers. Just put it on a tee and let's go. Because that's kind of how they reacted to it. Yes. Hey, you know what? I when, when I first came up, I was lucky because almost our entire team was young. I mean, Dwight mm. was 19. I was 21. Um, Sid Fernandez was 20. I mean, we, we are the majority of the team was real young, so there wasn't a lot of hazing. But the worst thing that ever happened to me is one of the first days I was in the major leagues, I think it was the first, I was a September call-up, and I couldn't wait to put that uniform on and beautiful home pants, all white, looking great, fit perfectly. I sat on the bench, and one of the veteran guys who was a um, guy who chewed tobacco looked at me and I must have looked like such a rube, you know, sitting there so excited <laughs> and can't wait for the game to start. He came over and he went like this. He sprayed my pants uh, with a little tobacco juice. Horrible. Uh, and I had to take it. I just sat uh, yep. there and I had to take it. I was like, what am I going to do? But uh, <laughs> that was really that was really the worst thing. When you became a veteran, were you good to rookies or could you be tough on them as well? No, I, I was always good to rookies because I felt – uh, when I was a rookie, although I had a lot of freedoms, uh, I was misunderstood a lot. They took my energy, uh, my exuberance, um, my confidence uh, as as cockiness mm. or arrogance or you know disrespect a lot. And it's and you know and and we had a team that was I, I can't say full of veterans, but guys that you know five six years in, and yeah. that, you know when compared to a a dude with you know a couple months in, that's a lot of time. Yeah. So the older guys, you know, coming in, you know, it, it was like, you know, the guys that came before me came in under older guys. Yeah. Where the rookie comes in, he sits down, he's quiet. He doesn't speak unless he's spoken to, but it's okay if he looks in. If, if you walk in, you acknowledge them, but know who you don't acknowledge until they acknowledge you. Mm-mm. That just wasn't me. It's like, dude, we're here to play baseball. Like <laughs> when I walk in a clubhouse, 
it's time to go. It's, it's energy. Like, you have to play the game with a certain, you know, excitement and, and love and energy for the game, I felt. And I still feel that to this day. So when I walked in, it was like, dude, who, who, come on. Like, you, you got you to be quiet. You, you, have, you, have, you have to shut up. Like, literally. And, and was told to shut up. And was kicked out of my hitting group because they said I was talking too much and singing around and dancing around a cage. And it's like, yeah, but I'm not hitting, so I can do whatever I want. I mean, you know, music is playing That's during right. batting practice. If it's a good song, I'm dancing, singing, rapping. But it was just something that they weren't used to. So I actually got um, kicked out of my hitting group, which coincidentally, <laughs> you know, was 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 the day that Steve Klein was pitching and we played St. Louis and I hit the ball, you know, just below the third deck. I had never hit a ball that far, but I just had this this rage in me because yeah. you can't say anything back. Mm. You have to take it. And it you know, it came down as, hey, you know, you know, we 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 like the energy, but focus it. You know, just focus it on the game. And it's like you're trying to tell me how to do me. That's right. You can't tell me how to do me. So it's like, all right, I'm, uh, you know, and it's like, uh, like a middle finger, f you, I'll focus it on the game. That's right. All batting practice long. You know, I, I, I hit singles, doubles, and BP every once in a while, you know, when we get our three to four swings. Yeah. I'll try to launch. I hit, this day, I hit about four or five balls into the second level sweeps down left field line. Wow. So it was just, and then I was doing, and you know, it was like, well, maybe this works. <laughs> I've never hit the ball this far. <laughs> you know, maybe this does actually work. It's coming from a guy that's been around. Maybe it works. And, you know, in the game, I got to a 2-0 count. And uh, Steve Klein threw a 2-0 fastball. And whatever whatever was in me, that fire yeah. went into that ball. Well hit. Watch that, baby. Way out of here. Onto the press level. And it was like I blacked out, Ron. I hit it. <laughs> and, and I didn't hear anything. It was just like silence. And I could hear myself breathing. I could hear my, my cleats on the turf and on the dirt. And I could see Steve Klein like walking around and he's screaming and yelling at me, but I can't I can't even hear. See. I just, it was it was just like it was just Wow. And I, and you know, and and that's all I heard. So I step on third base and Steve Klein's you know, in front of me, and it's kinda like 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 I noticed him, it's like, where did you come from? But more than anything, because I noticed Scott Rowland coming out the dugout yelling. And I'm like, is he yelling at me? Because you know, I'm just, I was just in my own little zone. Right. Like it was just, it was like all that, all that anger I had just went to that ball, and I just let it go. And then I step on home plate, and it's like all the sound came back, just came wow. rushing at one time. And it was like, what? And I'm looking at Scott Rowland, and he's, you know, you know, getting on Steve Klein, and I'm like, what just happened? Oh, I man. literally blacked out. So, long story to say that. I never, uh, you know, I, I would never tell a rookie, you know, mm. how to do them or, or be mean to them. I'll give them, you know, the lay of the land. Um, but do you, you know, do you know the times that maybe yeah. I need to, maybe need to pull back a little bit, but do you, because you're here and we need you and that energy and your style of play, whatever you bring, we need you to show up every day. You know, I felt the same way. Like I always was about, you know, there's 25 different ways to get ready for a game. Everyone's different, you know? Like, uh, wh when I wasn't pitching, I was the friendliest guy you'd ever be around. I've got my arm around you. We're talking. We're talking about where we're going to go eat, maybe, you know, seeing some ladies after the game, whatever. Mm -hmm. I'm loving it. The day I pitch, leave me alone. Like, mm -hmm. I don't want to talk to anybody. I'm grumpy from the second I wake up 
till after the game. So uh, there's so many different ways that people get ready. Some do it by dancing and having fun. Yeah. Some do it by just being inside themselves. So mm-hmm. um, I know you love the shop. You always have the best clothes. Uh, did you <laughs> did you try to tighten up rookies who um, who weren't ready for the big big time? For certain, um, and you know it, it's, it's pan it forward. When I first got caught up, uh, a guy that you probably wouldn't even put two and two together, but he was a guy that was on my right, Scott Rowland, went and uh, put me in contact with Scott Torellis, who's actually I saw him at, at the Super Bowl this year uh, out and about, and he bought me three or five suits. I think he had like he had a three-pack and a five-pack. And Scotty was like, you know, when you're in the big leagues, you got to wear suits. We got to make sure we get you some threads. And it was just like, wow. What? Like, what is <laughs> You know, what? Like, for real? Like, you custom suits, like, for yeah, me. Yeah. Not just go get a shirt and, and and a jacket and some pants and like I hope this looks pretty good in a tie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No custom suits, you know, fit it. You pick the materials. You talking to the guy, you know, the style of the suit. So I never forgot that. So uh, you know, when Ryan got called up, for example, he was living at like the DoubleTree or Residence Inn, whatever it was in downtown. I'm like, I know what that's like. Yeah, I have I have four bedrooms and five thousand square feet, bro. Come stay with me. Oh, you know, like awesome. like what wel- wel- welcome in. Um, I don't think I had enough uh, money to cover the material for the suits for him, but anyhow, <laughs> he had a free place to stay. I did the same thing with Shane Victorino uh, when wow. Don Brown, Dominic Brown, came up. You know, he 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 had a unique style. I mean, that man was from Atlanta, and he was wearing Eurofits before Eurofits was cool. <laughs> Just long wow. six five, boom boom. I'm like, woo, he clean. Like I'm too short to do it, but I realized <laughs> I was actually too short to wear the baggy stuff like Derek Bell, so I switched it. But I went same way. It was like yeah. you know the same way it was done for me. I'm doing it for you. So when someone comes up and it's your turn, you do the same. So it was something you know that that I felt was tradition. And for me, like I said, it started with Scott Rowland, which was just like, what? Like, what's, excuse me? Yeah, yeah. You, you want to buy me suits? Like, cool. I, I didn't see that coming. But it doesn't matter who does it. I was on the left side of the infield with him. Yeah. We had to have a relationship. And that was his way of, you know, and, and he was the captain of the team. You know, it was his team. That was, that was I took it as his way of saying, you know, like, welcome. Like, you're, you're, you're one of us now. We can't let you walk around with Macy's and J.C. Penney's, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, da- David Cohn was the was the guy for me that I, uh, you know, he was a small town kid from Kansas City, um, great kid, and uh, and we had to tighten tighten him up. You know, one of the things I used to do when I became a veteran, I was very cognizant of big moments for people. Uh, Terry Steinbeck, I played with a catcher. When he had his thousandth hit, I made sure I sent some champagne to his room. Stuff like that, you know, things that you can really help. I always loved helping young pitchers who were trying to figure out, you know, how to get people out, uh, you know, how to how to work. You know, I would tell them, hey, this is this is what we're doing. Uh, we're mm-hmm. running. I'm I'm pitching on Monday, on Tuesday. I'm running five miles. If you want to be good, you'll come with me. That kind mm-hmm. of stuff. So. How did you help? Because everyday players help everyday players. That's how kind right. of it works. Who do you right. think you mentored as you became a veteran? Um, shoot, everybody. Yeah, I mean, I mean, even other veteran guys. We would have conversations. You know, we have to have. You know, we have to be able to be open enough to have the conversation. Like, I know you have ten years and I have seven, but at that, <laughs> at this point, it's it's equal. Like we are in this together. Um, but one thing I I I I did, and this started in spring training. Um, 
you know, the, the number of blacks in baseball were dwindling and dwindling, dwindling. But the Phillies always did a good job of keeping a, a lot of blacks on the field in the major leagues mm. and also in the minor leagues. So some of these kids may not and, and did not make it to the big leagues. But every spring training, I would go down or send a message down to, um, you know, to, to a number of the guys, especially the, 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 the prospects. Couldn't get everyone. Yeah, minor league prospects. complex, whatever. Yes. Yeah. And I would arrange a dinner at Roy's Steakhouse in, in, in uh, Tampa. Wow. And, you know, it's 15, 20 guys deep. And we sat there and we had a conversation of, one, what it's like to be black and yeah. in, in, in professional baseball. Two, how you, 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 you have to learn to make an adjustment because no one's going to adjust to you. Yeah. And no one's going to care. No one's going to care about your crying. But three, sticking together because no one's going to know the story or go through it unless they're black. So if you, if there's so one other guy on the team, you have to be able to have a relationship. Even if you don't go eat at Applebee's afterwards, <laughs> we have to be able to be able you know, to be able to sit down in a room and converse because it gets heavy, especially when you're playing in small town cities and, and, you know, throughout the South, man, it, it's just things you have to go through. And it's like, this place is still backwards in your opinion, especially when you yeah. get, you know, to the coastal cities. So, that was one thing I did, and I did it year after year after year, and it grew and it grew and it grew, and I'm like, man, I'm glad I'm making a lot of money because this bill is getting expensive. But it was something that was necessary that for the us at the top to reach back down in the miners, like we see you guys, like you're not mm. forgotten, you're not just some guy in uniform that no one knows about. We see you, and you know, then and then and, and it wasn't just me; it was you know, Ryan Howard would come along. Uh, Shane Victorino, who 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 uh, he could he could go on either side of the planet. He's just he's just he's uh, Hawaiian. He's, he's Hawaiian. He's a, he's a brother from Hawaii. <laughs> he, he, yeah, exactly. He's, you know, and, and and he talked that pigeon. So it's like, all right, you cool. But you know, it was just like, look, whoever didn't show up, that's fine. They would miss out, and it wasn't hard feelings. It was just like, let's just let them know what they miss. So next yeah. time we make this phone call, or next time we send a message down, they don't miss. So that was one thing that I was proud of. Um, that that um. We had um, started a little, it was a little later in my career. I wish I had thought about it earlier, but yeah. it got to a point where I'm really, you know, on my feet as, as, as an established big league player. And it was like, yo, these guys might not ever make it. Least I could, least I can do is get them a dinner and just bring them in house and let them know what it's like and just hear them out. That's a, uh, that's fantastic. I remember when, um, in the clubhouse, Daryl Strawberry and Dwight Gooden would always be huddled up talking about stuff. And we had one of our whiter players, kind of backwards, you know, you know what I'm talking about, kind yep. of redneck yep. dude. And I remember he said to me once, "Said what are they always talking about?" I said, "They're talking about something you have no fucking idea about. Like you, mm -hmm. you don't know anything about what they're talking about because it's it just foolish." So you went through the time. I never went through these times. They never made us dress up. Uh, we never <laughs> had to wear clothes or whatever. So Really? What, so so what, when did that no, start then? No, when did that start? It, it started like your time. It didn't start. Like, it was not in my time at all. So give me wow. your best story about and and what did you feature? All right. All right. All right. Um, so I got called up September 17th, uh, 2000. And... Uh, you know, I play the first series, and it's funny. The two teams that I did the best against were the two teams I started out against, the Marlins mm -hmm. and the Mets. Wow. And my whole career was like the Marlins. Like, I just 
I love playing those teams, and maybe that was, you know, uh, symbolic and yeah. of the future, and, and I just didn't know. But anyhow, so we 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 finish the series against the Mets. I'm two for five. I get the player of the game, and everything's good. Boom, we're off to Chicago. And I know these things happen. <laughs> you don't know when. Yeah. But you always hope to be the exception. It's like, you know what? I've been playing so well. There's no way in the world they're going to let, let this happen to me. Like, I'm doing too well. You know, that's something like like when you're struggling, they get those rookies. Or, like, I'm, I'm not here long the, enough. I'm going to yeah, be one of I'm the not, best players in this organization. Yeah, not yeah. do it to I'm me. Not, I'm not here long enough. I'm, I'm good. I should be good. So it's our last game in Chicago. <laughs> and uh, uh, we're facing Kerry Wood. And once again, oh. you know, I mean, that was big curveball, 20 strikeout Kerry Wood. First bat, get like to a 0 to a one two count. Those a curveball. I rip it down the line for a double. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, I got Kerry Wood on the curveball. You that's know what right, I'm saying? That's right. Next bat, he gets me to another two count, uh, another another two strike count. Throws me the curveball. I'm like, ooh, that's the one I see on TV all the time. I'm dragging it back yeah. to the dugout. So we end up winning. I think I, I'm either like two for five or three for five. Once again, you know, coming off a two for five game. Um, the last game of the Met series had a good series against Chicago, facing you know the best arm, one of the best arms in the game at the time. Have another two or three, two or three hits. Parents in town, first time seeing me playing the big leagues with my baby sister, um, who's nine years younger than me. <laughs> um, game's over, you know, go say hi. Look, I'll see you guys after the game. You know, we'll be out by the bus. Walk into the clubhouse, <laughs> and I know where my locker is, but I'm confused. Because there are no clothes in there. <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, they must move my locker, yeah. you know, when the game started. Maybe, I don't know. I, this is my first road trip. I don't know what happens on the road trip. And so I walk up and down, and I walk back, and yet I'm looking. This, there's number 11. Actually, at the, at the time I was number 29. There's number 29. And there's a pencil <laughs> skirt. <laughs> and a long sleeve multicolored tube top in there. <laughs> and so now I'm just confused. I'm just like, okay, like, okay, where are my clothes? Like some I, I just I just, you know, and it's the best time. I had a good game. My mind is not thinking about rookie Hazen. That's right. I thought if it was gonna happen, it's gonna happen between Philadelphia and Chicago. Not Chicago going to Miami. Oh. So now and now I'm starting to catch on because everybody that was a rookie, about five of us, is I think coming to the realization that we're not getting our clothes back. We like, like you can go out in a towel naked, but you are not walking out of here in a suit. So they leave your dress shoes, they leave your dress socks. So now I'm walking out with dress shoes, dress socks, a blue, a royal blue pencil skirt, and a multicolored uh, long sleeve. Um, like halter top shirt, you know, sitting about two inches above my stomach. And so, you know, whatever guy, whatever guy gave me, everybody checking it out. And so I come down the stairs and my dad is dying. He is dying. He is on the floor. My mom, she's just shaking her head with my dad. And the funniest part was my sister. She's, so I was 20. So she's what? Nah, 11 oh yeah, she's 11 so i was 20 21 she's she's 11 12 and she has a polaroid camera no yes <laughs> she comes around the corner and her eyes 
were about the size of two softballs on a head that's about two inches round. <laughs> and she was just like, oh, my gosh, Jimmy. Oh, my gosh. The whole time snapping. <laughs> she couldn't stop snapping damn pictures. I'm like, Shay, put the camera down. She's like, no, this is too good. Oh, my gosh. Oh. So as bad as that was, the kicker is now we have to walk around the stadium as a group of rookies, myself, Reggie Taylor, Pat Burrell, uh, Thomas Hotkez, and there may have been one more, while the crowd is still out there. You know, post-game Chicago, they hard, no. they hang out, they party. They, they don't go anywhere. They're, they're still they there. They're drinking beers out of buckets. And, uh, man. and they're right and next to the, the bus. Right next to the bus. So we all walk out. And, of course, I had to get game. So they made me lead the group up around the stadium. Oh. We're getting honked out. I mean, we had. I mean, we had. Uh, what we call like like the dress, uh, the, the summer skirts, the summer dresses that yeah, the girls yeah. wear. Yeah, all of them. I mean, everybody was a something. We had some fish nets and the, the little. Oh, it was. It was. Oh my goodness, it was so embarrassing. <laughs> and you can't make this stuff up. So we get on a plane. I'm like, okay, cool. Joke's over. We get on a plane. Yeah, where's you my know clothes? we get our stuff on a plane. Yeah, no. Oh. We we land in Miami, and on the plane I said, "Jimmy, when we land, we're going. You know, we're going to a couple of of, of fine establishments of <laughs> you know Coco's yeah. and Club Rolex." Yeah, yeah, I'm like, "That's cool, but please, where's my stuff? Where's my jeans? I I, we, I need I need my stuff." So we 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 end up getting um getting it back about an hour afterwards. I'm walking out. So remember, I'm a rookie. This I just get called up. Yeah. I'm walking out. This is now. Now it's three in the morning. Yeah. John Vukovic and Tito Frakona are walking in no. from wherever they were. While I'm walking out, meeting Marlon Anderson, yes. uh, Robert Person, uh, Wayne Gomes. I don't know if Doug Lanville went. I don't think he was hanging out with yeah, us. Yeah. And I'm sitting there like, I know I'm playing tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> There's no, no way I'm getting out of this. That's right. There is no way. But, Ron, I tell you what, I lived it up. I'm like, you know what? I'm playing. Yeah. I'm already in trouble. That's right. What's the worst that can happen? And let's just say I ended up getting you know some tip money that night. Ah, that's funny. <laughs> hey, you know, uh, when I was in spring training once, uh, when you're the pitcher – no, it wasn't in swing training. It was instructional league. And when mm. you're not pitching that day, a lot of times the pitcher is the bat boy or they get the foul balls or whatever. And right. uh, my parents drove down because I was supposed to be facing the Phillies that day in Clearwater. So they drove all the way down. They were excited to see me in the instructional league. They cancel and say, you got to pitch tomorrow, not today. So you're the bat boy today. My parents drove all the way to Florida and wow. watched me be the bat boy. Here they had this number one pick, made all this money, and he's the bat boy for the day. My dad was disgusted. <laughs> he didn't say a, say a thing to me. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. 
With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. We're joined here today by a friend of mine, broke my heart a number of times, in particular, you know, 2011, but at least we lost to the eventual champions. Um, He's one of the best players of our generation and obviously one of the best of all time. Let's just keep it real. He's known as the machine. Albert Pujols, thanks for joining us today, brother. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Jay. I really appreciate it, buddy. Uh, for you, sure, brother. for sure. Always good to see you and good to talk to you. So, AP, you know, we, we've been around. We started together in 2001. We were the young boys on the block. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you seemingly just came out of nowhere. It was like, who is this guy? And you immediately, although you were young, you were a rookie, you stepped in and seemed like a vet, like you had been here before mm-hmm. on the field. But you're still a rookie. So tell me what it was like being so young and so successful, how the older players saw you, maybe how the middle of the road players saw you and how they treated you. That's awesome. That's a great question because, you know, a lot of people kind of that's that's kind of, you know, when I meet somebody there, they're asking how it was early in your career and all that. But I think for me, I, I was the rookie pretty much in the team. Everybody else, you know, you had the Maguire, you got Gene Emmons, uh, you got Placido Polanco, Edgar Interilla, Matt Morris, Mike Martini, all the bets, you know. So I was the young rookie coming in. I wasn't even supposed to make the ball club, but I ended up making the ball club out of a spring training. But I think, uh, you know, one person that really embraced me real well, it was Daryl Kyle, who we built a really good relationship just right away from spring training. And Placido Polanco, who you had the chance to play with mm-hmm. in Philadelphia. So, but I, I think uh, 
they welcome me right away. And I think that's that's the main thing for for a rookie. Like they want to feel like, hey, I belong here. I got I know the veteran guys has my have my back. Um, obviously, you're still a rookie. You want to make sure you don't cross that line. You know, like going to the cages. If you see Mark coming in and you see Ray Lamper or any of those guys, you know, popping in and like, you better get the hell out of there and let those guys, <laughs> you know? Right, so, right. but you know, they were just, uh, always respecting me. Uh, you know, I did the rookie things where it's like taking the water, carrying the beer, you know, make sure, you know, I feel better. And although I was in the middle of the game, there were several of the veteran guys asking me, Hey, go get me a coffee or go get me this. <laughs> But I think for me, it was one of those things that, <laughs> you know, guys laugh about it just like that because, like, I'm hitting, like, 360 with, like, 20 bucks right, and, like, right. 100 RBI. Go give me like, some coffee, young boy. Yeah, but I'm like, hey, go give me some coffee. But I think to that, they it was a test, as we mm-hmm. know. You know, mm-hmm. I think uh, if you take it personal, you, you're yep. in trouble. Yeah, They you get fail. you. And for me, for me, it was always like, hey, fine, I go run and then before you know it, like I wasn't the rookie anymore, you know, like three months into the league, although I was, those guys just really embraced me like like their little brother. And I think I give a lot of credit to all that great group that I have in one because they really embraced me like I was one of their and they knew that I was going to help this ball club that year and that organization to win. So it was really easy transaction uh, for me. I think the most important thing is respect. Mm-hmm. They respect me really well. They never disrespect me or they never call me and they, or they did something that embarrassed me uh, in front of somebody. So I think, uh, you know, that was something that was really special and, and allow me to do my thing, which mm-hmm. was be me, go out there and play and work my butt up every day and help this organization to win. Now, you touched on something earlier, and I don't think people know this. Or I, I mean, I've heard it, but not really. Like you say, you weren't even supposed to make the team. Mm-hmm. What happened? Like, how did that come about? Would someone get injured? Or you just yeah. had one of those spring trainers and was like, yo, this kid looks like he's a man already. Let's give him a shot. I did have one of those spring training that, you know, really probably, I would say, Oh, one and maybe 2012 when I signed with the Angel were one of my best spring training. And let's face it, I had some great spring training, but those were like off the charge. I, and in mm-hmm. one, I wasn't even supposed to get like two or three at bats. And because thanks to one of my buddies, Bobby Bonilla, <laughs> <laughs> that got hurt, it kind of opened the door for me, you know, and they start playing me and giving me more bats. And, you know, the bets start talking about with, with Tony, they're like, hey, listen, man, we, this kid, I think it can help us out. I mean, I think, uh, you know, he really opened some eyes here. And Tony, like, oh, we don't know, you know, only one year in the minor league. Remember, I only have one year in the minor mm-hmm. league, which um, I felt that I, I probably weren't ready either because I didn't have that many arbats at pro. But hey, if that opportunity came, I always took advantage and just give my best. And finally, came Thursday in spring training where we were in Atlanta, like the last two games of the season, I think. Oh, oh, oh I'm sorry, spring, spring training. training. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we were down like one nothing in the night against the Brave in Orlando. And the whole reason I took that or bad that day is because the pitcher was going to hit in that spot. Mm-hmm. And 
Tony wasn't going to use me because they were going to send me down. And then I came in tight again. And I think I, if I remember, I think I hit six or seven hundred. And I ended up taking like 60 or 70 yard bats. Wow. Remember, I wasn't even supposed yeah. to get any yard bats. So they invited me kind of to spring training to to kind of give me like a, a congratulation for the great year that I had in the minor league. The mm-hmm. year before I was the player of the year in the minor league, you know, for the, the organization. So it's like kind of a reward. But man, I had a heck of a spring training. That's why I keep telling these young guys, I'm like, guys, you just never know. You just never know. You, you know, I won't, I don't going to say that back then was easy mm-hmm. uh, for us or even now it's easy, but like, man, just take advantage of every opportunity because here I am 402 in the draft, uh, 13 rounds, probably didn't get a lot of scout take a look at me and the Cardinals give me that opportunity. And I just went down to spring training with the expectation of I'm going to give the best that I can, not even mm-hmm. thinking about making that ball club, to do the best that I can, that when somebody gets hurt during the season, the first name that they can call is me. And that's what I did, man. And uh, it was awesome, bro. It was awesome. You know, I have a, a quick story. Um, I remember, like, almost the last week when they're cutting people down, bro. Mm-hmm. I came in and my locker room was... <laughs> <laughs> To the right, I used to share a locker room right, with one right. of the guys, one of the right. young guys. Bro, and this, this, you know, early in the morning, I rise early in the morning, 7 o'clock, 6.45, 7 o'clock. I walk in. My locker room is right to the right, right away. As soon as I walk in, bro, I didn't see my locker room. Mm-hmm. I was like, damn, they sent me down. But I'm like, <laughs> well, great experience. Right away, right. I didn't even I didn't even look into the Doesn't even cross side, your bro. mind. Didn't even cross no, your bro. mind. Bro, the left side, man, no chance. You got Maguire, Ginemon, Placido Polanco, Egan Renteria, Fernando Viña. Then you got Mike Martini, Matt Morris, Daryl Kyle, you know. Right, it's like, no, right. you, you weren't even allowed to look that way. Exactly, bro. exactly. So I put my head down and I went to the office. And nobody know this story that, man. I share <laughs> with so many, uh, with few people. But I walk into Tony's office bro and i shake his hands like hey good morning jefe how are you he's like good morning Albert. how you doing so he looked at me and then i didn't even give him a chance i didn't even say anything i just said well i didn't even give him a chance to even re- re- respond to me so right, i was like right. hey i just wanted to thank you for the opportunity that you gave me i really had a really really great spring great experience you know i think uh, it really helped me out to take my game to the next level and he's like looking at me like, <laughs> kind of like, what is he talking about? I'm like, you know, just thank you so much. So he kind of like, there's things like, he stopped me. He's like, hey, well, what's going on? I was like, well, I know you guys sent me down today, but it's so good, bro. He got up to his chair like this and come out of the clubhouse, call Buddy Bates. He's like, Buddy Bates. Like, Buddy Bates was our clubby. Right, he's like, right. where's Arbor Locker? Where's Arbor Locker? It's like, Tony, his locker's right there, bro. I was between... Edgar Interior Blasido Polanco. <laughs> <laughs> they haven't sent me down yet, bro. And he was like, or like you almost you gave him hard to say. Yeah, he was like, you know, and, and and Tony was like, but it was fun. Those are that's a, like one of many that I had that I was like, people don't even know out there, you know. But it was like a rookie, bro. Like making that was, I guess, my first rookie mistake that I made, but. But yeah, through through Bobby, man, he got her and really, really opened the door to make that ball club in 2001. You know, and that's big, um, you know, to have the veteran guy step up and say something, because I don't know if that happens today. I don't know if, if that happens often, but they recognize the talent right away. And it was like, look, we know 
we have some guys that may be above him, but this guy mm-hmm. is showing everything we want in a player. He's humble. He works hard. His bat sounds different. And it always has. Let's just be honest. Your bat <laughs> sounded differently. And on top of that, he's taken everything we're giving him in stride. So to have them vouch for you is huge. On top of that, you were having a great spring training. You know, we have the same agent. So we kind of know it. We mm-hmm. knew of each other. Just now, who is this guy? And it's like, man, that's what I'm going to be a rookie with. I remember saying that. Well, I guess second place isn't bad as well. That's the first thing went to my mind. You know, if I come in Whoa. second place, I, I, I'll be cool with that, you know? Bro, we had a great class, man. Like you, myself, Ben Cheat, Roy yeah. Oswald. Yeah. Come on, bro. You it know, was, there was, was a lot something. of it was a lot of great talent, bro, in that one class, you know. But but it's uh, it's just one of those things, you know, like uh, I remember that home run that I tied the gang in Atlanta, man, Tony, according to my wire and Tony, they, you know, they both say the story the, the same way. But they uh-huh. say that when I tied the gang in the night as a pinch hitter that I came in for the pitcher and I tied the game mm-hmm. and then Eli Marrero went deep and then we ended up taking the lead and we ended up winning the, the game 2-1. I heard, you know, that. Tony was sitting like Thursday end of the dugout, like by the stair, and my wire was next to him. And when I hit that home run, he hit him right, right in the ribcage. <laughs> I told you we need to take. Yeah, he's like, I told you we need to take this kid. So that was kind of the last final. That was it. Um, yeah. Opportunity, and you know, it just it's amazing. You know, twenty two years later, here I am, dude, like in the big leagues. You know, in my last season, coming back here to San Luis. You know, being finished my career as a Cardinal. It's really beautiful. special. That's you know, and, uh, blessed, bro. Just blessed. You know, to wear this uniform every day, and just I know I'm not a player that that I was ones but uh i think i can still contribute and help this ball club not just in the field but i think you know just teaching these young guys right now about the game they have the talent and they have the ability but my my focus and my thing with them is about mentally how can you approach the game how these guys gonna try to get you out what kind of adjustment can you make you know Mm because it's hard you know we all as a athlete against a player we all I've gone through our slung and you had a slung? Our bus stretch. Yeah, you, I have one or two. The thing is that <laughs> I never the thing is that I never think I never use that word as slung because because I always believe a slung is something that you built in your mind. Got it. And if you believe it, you get deep into it. Mm-hmm. So I always believe that sometimes as an athlete, we travel, you know, we take 33 flights during the course of the season. We travel from city to city. Sometimes we wake up into a city because we got in so late at night mm-hmm. that we don't even know where we are. And, you know, sometimes you just need a break. Um, but, you know, as long I don't, I don't really like to use that word because if you believe in that, man, you're going to struggle more. Is, and, and is that something that you preach to the, to, to the younger guys, just about, about the mental aspect? Because as you said, the physical is going to be there. They're going to work hard. Mm-hmm. The way they train these days, uh, the access to technology, you know, it's in the yeah. dugout. We, we used to have to yeah. run up to the cage and we have to go and run back down. because we were Jimmy, run to the cage, stuff. bro. <laughs> to do a scouting report, bro, we had to wait until we get to the ballpark. Now, yes. bro, I Damn. can grab my phone, bro, right. and I can do everything in here on my phone. And home, eating breakfast. When back then we had to show up early, watch yes. video, the first game of the series, watch everybody. Now, bro, mm-hmm. we just have access. And these are the things that I tell these guys, man. It's like, I remember Red Shenning 
back when I was here early in my career with the Cardinals, he used to tell me, man, you guys are so blessed. When I play, we only have one field and we have 70 <laughs> players. And when I was a rookie, right. I had a way until everybody was down. And I used to hear in the last group and this and that, and you guys now have it. Oh, man, five field. Well, I can say the same thing right now. Yes, nothing has changed from our era. We still have the same field, but what has changed is the clubhouse are better, the, mm -hmm. the, the more batting cages, more equipment, more nutrition. technology, nutrition, different things that we didn't have early. And then I was, you know, the next generation in 10 years is going to be the same thing. They're going to look at it. And this, this generation is going to be kind of the veteran guys. They're going to say, wow, you guys have everything, you know? So it just go from generation to generation. And, and that's what it did. It's crazy because, as you said, now and towards the end of my career, we, we became that guy that was like, we helped build this. It's like someone helped build it for us. And you sit mm -hmm. there and you look at these players and they don't even know how good they had it or they have it now. We don't know how good we had it when we were young because of the things they went through. Um, and with that said, you're playing with kids, some that were born the year in which you were a rookie, bro. <laughs> you know, don't it's, say it's, that, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's, <laughs> and it's true. I mean, they were born. Some of them were still in diapers, you know, and their whole their, their whole life. They grew up watching you play, hearing about AP, watching the commercials. Like, like my kind. Um, yeah. What is yeah, it like? Well. And, and, and how do you, you know, help? I guess introduce yourself to a kid. He's coming yeah. in big eyes, just like like yeah. you. I don't want to make a mistake. I don't want to look mm -hmm. at the wrong side of the clubhouse. How yeah. do you bring that player along? I know you have lessons that yeah. you know you were taught. What lessons mm -hmm. are you teaching them also? But just to help them feel comfortable the way they made you feel yeah. comfortable when you first came up. Yeah, that's that's a great question because uh, it, I can see sometimes that I can intimidate. A young player mm -hmm. so my goal has always been like hey guys i'm here for you i'm like forget about who i am i'm just human just like you i'm here to try help you out and you know i did that last year with the dodgers i did it with the angels i did it here uh almost thursday before i signed with the angels and then i'm back here you know and we have a bunch of young players in this organization but mm -hmm. what's so good man that you have to have the young players that want to get better right. and want it. If you want to, if you wanted it more than them, that you're in trouble, mm -hmm. you know, but when you find that player that wants it so bad, then it takes us back to our, our rookie year mm -hmm. and our minor league season, how we wanted it so bad. So when I, when I get that opportunity and I get those guys, which pretty about, about 98% of those guys that I talked to and tried to help, they, they're really hungry. They want to learn. But I think, uh, you know, I'm just open, transparent, really open to them, get them comfortable. They, they joke with me, you know, mm -hmm. they make fun of me. Like they, you know, we get in the bus, they make fun of me in the clubhouse. Like I always make them feel comfortable around me because that's, the, that's really important. You have to make these guys really comfortable for them to be open. And when they're open, they now listen. And when they now listen, they can be their themselves. And when you when you are yourself, what do you do? You get the best out of you. And that's how I be able to get the best out of these guys, you know, to be able to 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 just be open and 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 just have like a like a I guess an older and young 
brotherhood, like, you know, relationship. Like, it's so funny because yesterday <laughs> John Jay had an event for his foundation here. Uh-huh. And here I am, John Jay, Daniel DeCarso, David Free, Alan Cray. Wow. And the, the whole crew three, is back. <laughs> the whole crew. So, uh, they 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 call it the old mafia the, you know now the old mafia but it was the right. young mafia back then because right, they were right. the young the young kids in the black but they were like god bro you're still doing it like i remember when i was in fifth grade watching you play dang i got the chance to make it to the big leagues and play and you're with still you here for four or five years and then you're still here and then you hit a home run yesterday like i'm like oh my god guys stop Please stop. That's why I'm retiring. So they just play, man. And, you know, all the credit and all the glory to me goes to the Lord that gave me this opportunity, this platform. I mean, I always say, bro, I use that illustration. If I had a thousand page to, to just write, you know, how my career or my life, uh, I wouldn't even come close to this, bro. So it's been a blessing. And I'm able to use this, this platform because, as you know, brother, we had responsibility. We yeah. had responsibility with God, with our family. We had responsibility with the community, and we had responsibility with the people around you. And and I want and I want those responsibility mm-hmm. because I enjoyed it, and I just want to teach these guys, uh, you know, not just baseball, but about life, and and you know, because right now, uh, you know, with everything and the technology and the easy access to get things, uh, you know, you can make a lot of mistakes out there. So. As a bet, veteran guys, my job is just to try to be available for them. You know, uh, it doesn't have to be based, but it could be about life. And I'm enjoying, bro. I enjoyed my time last year with the Dodgers, bro. Mm-hmm. And I'm enjoying my time here uh, with the Cardinals. And, you know, and at the end of the day, man, I'm going to be hanging this jersey and five, six, or 10 years from now, you know, I'm going to meet these kids and they're going to be superstar, hopefully. And, you know, they're going to remember, you know, this year. And, and that to me is a lot. That, that's, that, that means a lot to me. Well, Al, man, every time I talk to you, it's, it's, it's like I'm sitting there learning also. Um, you know, we know what a great player you are. And eventually uh, they'll be saying were as they put you, your plaque in, in that Hall of Fame that they have out there, first ballot. If, if, if someone doesn't vote for you, it's because you broke their heart. That's the only way no one <laughs> votes for you. But, you know, it's just always nice to see and hear that, you know, you're more than just a guy in a uniform. You care about things, mm-hmm. you know, more than just playing ball, about life itself, about people. And I think that's something that, as athletes, we often don't get considered as a human being. Mm-hmm. We're just mm-hmm. someone who's in a uniform and here for entertainment. So, Al, mm-hmm. you've once again, you know, taken my breath away with your stories and just being able to talk to you. You know, we, we mm-hmm. even when we play golf, we talk, we play golf. Yeah, because that's just who you are. This is the essence of Albert. So, for everybody out there that thinks he's just a baseball player, hope <laughs> you hear this and you learn a lot about the man. And you know, when he writes his autobiography and they're going to write it for him, I'll be the first in line. So, Al, thank you. Uh, brother and I appreciate it. Love you, boy. I love you, bro. Thank you so much, man.
So I think what's important to know now, prior to the 2017 season, Major League Baseball has created a written rule, and that is the anti-hazing and anti-bullying policy, which prohibits teams from requiring, coercing, or encouraging players to engage in activities that include dressing up as women or wearing costumes that may be offensive to individuals based on their race, sex, nationality, age, sexual orientation, gender identity, or other characteristic. Listen, we live in a world now, those things are not kosher. Uh, second, um, the unwritten rule is that you, you're supposed to ignore the rookie and not help him. That's absolutely false. I think you, you and I both agree that the best thing you can do for a rookie is to make him better because if you make him better, your team is better. That's the key. That's 100% true. And, and you know, in, in times of change where now rookies are protected, like they yeah. are the crown jewel, it's like, hey, leave him alone. Let him be. And, you know, we, we – in recent times, you know, there's been, you know, a, a big stink made about, you know, Acuna and Freeman. Yeah. And, you know, perception, you know, and, and, and I can definitely relate, you know, with that story. I was the one bouncing around, swag and bringing energy. Yeah. And it was like, we like it, but, you know, things are done differently here. And, 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 the, and, and that's the battle that can't happen when you got to have a guy like Fred, Freddie, who's coming from an older generation. That's right. And these new young kids that come in and they're, they've been protected every step of the way. So I do like the fact that the game is changing that way, um, but there will still always be, you know, an opportunity for a rookie to, I hate to say the word, be put in his place, yeah. but to um, for, for a veteran guy to help him understand the bylaws of the clubhouse and, and the ways of the major leagues and, more importantly, the way of, of that organization. You know, the key is for any young player – if you're a veteran player, try to make him better. If you make him better, your team is better. This is Unwritten, Ron Darling and Jimmy Rollins. Thanks. Unwritten is a production of Odyssey and Major League Baseball. Our senior producer is Paul Aspen of Odyssey with Ian Kay of Major League Baseball. Lena Glazer is the executive producer of 2400 Sports at Odyssey. Jody Avergan and Nick Trotta of MLB are executive producers. Special thanks to everyone at Major League Baseball and Odyssey who helped make this show happen. If you enjoy the show, please leave a rating or a review in your podcaster player of choice. Or just tell someone about the show. For Jimmy Rollins, I'm Ron Darling. Thanks again for listening, and we'll be back soon with more on baseball's unwritten rules.